Opasso Opasso Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Paso Paso podcast. Uh, my name is Miles and I'm happy to be here with you again uh, as we enter our um, continued series, but for the year 2021. Really excited to have Aurora here today and uh, excited to hear all that she wants to share with us. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Aurora Valdez, and I am the community wellness manager for the Taos Pueblo Division of Health and Community Services. Wonderful. And thanks so much for taking the time to join us today and um, share what you do, uh, what you'd like for, for the listeners to hear. And um, thanks for everybody listening, whether on KNCE or um, our podcast, Paso Paso Podcast. Um, please subscribe, like, rate, all that stuff. And also, I want to give a shout out, um, if I can, real briefly, just to the RT Keeler Foundation, who did help um, initiate this podcast last year in 2020. Um, Aurora, you're involved in so many different topics. Um, today, though, I'm under the impression that we're going to discuss the 100% Community Initiative. Is that is that the right title for it? Yes, 100% Taos County. Okay. Um, and just share with us kind of the basics of what does that mean, the 100% Taos County? Um, how did you get involved in it? What is it aiming to do? Okay, so the 100% Taos County Initiative is a countywide initiative aimed at increasing access to 10 vital services. Um, five of those services are for surviving, like food, housing, behavioral health care, medical care, and dental care, trans- and transportation. And then there's five services for thriving. And those services are parent supports, early childhood learning programs, family-centered schools, youth mentors, and job training in higher education. And the idea is that if 100% of the community, 100% of Taos County families have access to these 10 services, we should see a reduction in adverse childhood experiences and um, all the things that are symptomatic of childhood trauma. And then we'll see an increase in all of those indicators that illustrate a beautiful, thriving, healthy community. That's wonderful. And I'm excited to talk about the breadth and the diversity of, of all the things you're including in that. I also love that um, I heard you mention the concepts of um, not only surviving, but thriving. And it sounds as though those are two um, perspectives or, or ways in which people live. And it sounds like the goal of the 100% is that people are not only surviving, but thriving. Um, and it takes a lot of different topics to consider to get us all to that place. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. So my favorite example of this is, um, so let me ask you, Miles, um, say that I'm a person that came up to you and said, um, I would like to start getting healthy. Uh, what are a few things that I can do to live a healthier lifestyle? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I guess, um, I would probably first throw out a few more obvious things like paying attention to what they put inside their bodies, um, including food, whether they get exercise. Also, um, if there's something they enjoy doing in life, that's important to me. But I, I imagine a lot of that would have to deal specifically with um, learning more about what it is they do from day to day and, and what their current status looks like. Right. So you'd um, probably say that perhaps I should get eight hours of sleep a night. Um, it would be great if I'm totally bad at this, but get eight glasses of water a day. 
Uh, you mentioned paying attention to what I put into my body. So it'd be great to have five fruits and vegetables, five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Probably it'd be great for me to at least walk around for 30 minutes a day. Um, it would be great if I was safe and in a safe household. It would be great if I did some meditation every day. Um, so you can see what it means to be a healthy person is layered. There's so many layers. There's so many strategies. And so that's sort of the point of the 100% community initiative. Um, it is the idea that there's no one problem that can be attributed to a single cause. And instead, it's like a collection of causes. There's a collection of things that need to go right in order for people to leave, leave, uh, to live a healthy life and also for communities to be healthy. Um, and so that's kind of the idea of the 100% community initiative. Think about all of the things that it takes, all, all of the things that need to go right in order for a five-year-old to show up ready for kindergarten. Um, they need to be healthy and all the things that that means to be healthy. They need to be drinking clean water and have nutritious, healthy food available to them. They need to be in a safe household. It would be great if their parents were reading to them for 20 minutes a day, every day. And, um, you know, the, the, the healthy, the family was healthy and they weren't, um, there wasn't a lot of like stressors or trauma. It would be great if there was some extended family support that a family could lean on. And um, so you can just kind of think about, it's not just one agency that's responsible for kids showing up healthy um, and ready to learn. It's, it really truly does take a community and that's what this approach is all about. It's increasing collaboration and communication in a very intentional way to focus on ensuring that all of our families are able to lead that healthy life and have access to these beautiful programs that I know that you've had on your show that do wonderful work in the community. We just want to make sure that we can, that every person in this community who needs a particular service has access to those services and programs. Um, so that's really the, the main idea behind the 100% Community Initiative. Yeah. Um, thanks for the explanation on that. I completely agree. And it's very exciting to hear and, and, and thank you for taking on the role of bringing all of these various issues together. Um, when you mention the various services that exist and ensuring that they exist so that people can utilize them, et cetera, something that I've um, gathered, and I'd love your perspective on it, but is that um, sometimes struggling as an individual or a, a family member is a very lonely experience. And sometimes um, it's... Uh, I don't want to say avoided, but people are not so quick to uh, occasionally seek support that may be available for anyone issue out of shame or guilt or feeling bad about themselves or, or other reasons. Um, family navigation is something that I hear a lot of talk about in Taos. And I'm, I'm curious, um, as we look at all the various services that are available and the ones that might be needed to become available if they don't exist now, what do you... What have you learned or what, what's your perspective on that connection between those who provide the services and those who may uh, be able to utilize them, but may not so quickly jump into that? Hmm. So, so one of the kind of cornerstones of the initiative is data and being data driven. So part of this initiative is informed by the Resilient Community Experiences Survey that asks that question exactly. 
it asks people to rate access to each of these 10 services that I had mentioned earlier. Um, so for instance, we asked a question here at Taos Pueblo when we conducted the Resilient Community Experiences um, survey here. We asked, how do you rate access to early childhood programs that strengthen early learning? And people could rate it from very accessible, accessible, not very accessible, not accessible, and I don't know. So um, even though we did have a majority of people say that it was accessible, there's still a good portion of people who said it was not accessible. So then in addition to every one of those questions, we asked what were some things that could make the service more accessible. And for early childhood programs um, in particular, people had said, I don't know where to get this service. So that access, um, so, so that's a barrier that we have already identified. And that's a barrier that early childhood programs in our community can address. It's easy, it's tangible, it's not invisible. Um, there's also, you know, being, you know, you have to be real with these, when you get this data, you have to be really real. Um, some people said customer service was an issue. And so that's a very real um, easy, I don't want to say an easy fix, but it's a fix nonetheless. It's something that you could do. Um, and that's part of people feeling welcome to the service and, and have having the service be provided to our community um, in, in a way that's dignifying. Great. Yeah, great points, Aurora. And um, it sounds as though also that a key part to all of that is customer service. Can you explain more about your perspective on that? Sure. So I was just kind of thinking about um, customer service being identified as a barrier to some, uh, to some of these programs, just as something that programs could take on and address in order to increase access um, among some of these other um, larger barriers. I did want to also mention that knowing how a service is beneficial and um, information about where to get the service, which is really great because it's kind of what your podcast is doing, helping um, people understand where to get the service and how this is beneficial, is increasing access um, to the public about what these programs um, do and how they could be beneficial to families. So those are just um, some tangible strategies that some of these programs can take on. And they these are just some results that were yielded from this uh, large community survey. Would you say that that is where things are now, um, that there are uh, a large group of beneficial services that are uh, accessible to people, whether they know how to access them or not? And in other words, is increasing the ease of access and the awareness of these services a first step towards um, obtaining that 100% community? I would say definitely. It's not enough for a service to just simply exist. It does have to be accessible and available um, to all people in our community. And if we do focus on getting the people who are most in need in um you know, connected to these very important services that I do believe that we'll see a change in um, turning the curve for, you know, for example, it's it's food. Like we want to make sure that people are food secure. Um, a huge thing that I know gets talked about a lot is housing, making sure that people and kids especially are in stable housing can um, yield some really positive um, health outcomes. Same thing with having access to um, medical and dental care and, and of course transportation it really is a, like its own service um, so to speak 
but it really encompasses all of these things. So think about where the bus stop goes um, and playing off of our current example of early childhood. If you were walking out of your building right now, can you get to a bus stop? So is your service accessible by public transportation? So um, maybe we can have a a really intentional conversation about how people are getting to our programs. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really great ideas that come out of the 100% Community Initiative. And um, yeah, so yeah, as a, as a next step, it really is, um, you know, increasing access. And the way that we're going to get there is through um, knowing, like establishing a baseline and seeing how accessible all of these services are at a community level um, first. So um, I mentioned the Resilient Community Experiences Survey, and that is something that we conducted here at House Pueblo as part of our community health assessment. Um, but it would be great to see something like that conducted in Taos County. Right. And it sounds like... Um that as the initiative uh, gains greater recognition in Taos as it, as it is in the region and beyond, um, it, it, I've heard some talk that there might be greater opportunity uh, with the county and with um, additional people getting on board and supporting the work you're doing for that to become something people are, are more and more aware of and supportive of. Uh, is that the, the sense that you get from the momentum currently? Yeah, and um, I want to say again that it is basing, it's building off of um, strengths that are already based here in our community. So there are already groups who are working on a lot of these things, and uh, we just want to build off of those of those groups. And we want somebody from each of those groups to be talking to people from the other groups. And so uh, we would like to have a team of action team leaders, um, uh, sorry, a table of action team leaders from each of these different sectors. I want people from the agricultural community who want to increase um, access to food to be talking to the people from community schools and, um, you know, people from job training and higher education uh, action teams to be talking about um, talking with people from the medical dental field. And so it's really just like increasing collaboration between all these sectors that are currently not really talking to each other. Um, you know, what if we had... And like, say, as we're building apartments and trying to address affordable housing here in Taos, what if we had childcare centers built into them? So what if we had those kind of like cross-sector conversations? How do we make sure that they have a bus stop? Um, yeah, how do we make sure the bus goes where we want it to go? And so it really is just kind of at a bit of like a population level conversation. Um, but um, yeah, we it, so anyway, to, to answer your question, it, it's building off of existing collaboratives and alliances and coalitions and trying to get these groups of um, people who are very passionate about this one thing to talk to um, another group who are passionate about these other things. And, and But to have the conversation focused on access. Um, everybody's mission statement <laughs> for nonprofits and Taos is, is they all want to Taos that you know, looks like this. And it's not just we want a portion of Taos to look like this. It's we want a Taos County that looks like this. We want a town of Taos. Uh, we want Taos youth. And so um, we're just really trying to help um, these. It, it just um, is just more intentional, collaborative uh, relationship building um, to help other organizations do their work. 
Great. Um, if someone's listening and they're not as um, tied into the work of organizations that provide services or things like that as you and I are, how would you suggest they get involved in supporting um, all of the things you're mentioning today and, and helping um, towards that goal? So first of all, I would just like to encourage people to visit the onaage8.org website. So it's the Ana Age 8 um, Institute, and it's just spelled out A-N-N-A-A-G-E-E-I-G-H-T.org to learn more about 100% Community Initiative and um, to learn about uh, preventing ACEs. Um, we do have a page, which is really cool. So if you go to onaage8.org, forward slash nm dash taos, um, you'll find um, a little bit of the startup information <laughs> that we have going on. Um, people can also email me at aurora, A-U-R-O-R-A, at taospoblo.com if they want to um, get more information. And um, I can talk about this for days, and it's my favorite thing. So if you call me or email me, like I would be so happy to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Aurora, for joining us on um, this first time that we've discussed 100% Community um, here on the Apostle Apostle podcast. And um, we certainly hope that um, as things progress and as certain needs come up, uh, feel free to reach out and, and uh, look forward to sharing this information in, in new ways with our listeners. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. And, and like I said, I, we all want the same thing. And this is just kind of uh, an intentional plan to get there. Great. Well, thanks for leading the way. And I look forward to uh, staying in touch about it. And, and thanks for all of your work you're doing for our community. Paso a paso. <laughs> Podcast. Podcast. <laughs>